What's up, guys? Super excited to let you know that we're now releasing transcripts of the podcast. It's linked in the podcast description. You can also find it on LinkedIn at Danny Langloss in our documents section. If you're not following us on LinkedIn, please do. We're releasing leadership content daily, really driving a ton of engagement. It's our main platform. If you haven't already for the podcast, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating or a review. That really helps us reach more people organically. Thank you very much. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm speaking with Molly McGrath, and we're going to talk about such an important topic that we're all trying to get right, how to hire and fire with confidence. Hopefully, we're doing more hiring than firing, but there's (laughs) nothing more important than creating great teams, and that all begins with selecting the right people for our teams. Since the late 90s, Molly has coached, consulted, directed presidents and founders of national organizations, and over 4,000 law all firms and executive level leadership, continuous improvement, team empowered initiatives to infiltrate new markets, leverage market, uh, partner ecosystems, and produce profitability. Molly is the number one best selling author of Don't Be a Yes Chick, very interesting title, and the host of the Hiring and Empowering Solutions podcast. Molly, welcome to the Leadership Excellence podcast. Oh, Danny, thank you so much for having me today. So I'm super intrigued and, and excited to be talking to you about this topic, but I, I want to learn, learn more about you. So, so share a little bit about your journey, what's led you to where you are today. Yeah. So I, in the early, probably mid-90s, I uh, was fortunate enough to belong to a national training organization for estate planning and other law attorneys, super niche specific. I started out as a practice development advisor with them. And through that, they launched the very first coaching program. And coaching wasn't even a street term or consulting really back then, at least in the estate planning legal space. And I was fortunate enough to lock arms with one of the best coaches I've ever worked with, uh, Steve Riley. And um, I support him with building up this coaching program. Every quarter, we would go to these conferences across the nation and do uh, three-day coaching events, things of that nature. And at the breaks or at the bar or at the dinner table, people would constantly be talking to me and complaining about their employees. They would be like, how do I get my team to step up and lead? How do I get people? How do I hire people with batteries included? How can I clone you? How can, how can we get a Molly? And through that, I really was deeply curious and I was deeply present and I would hear it over and over again. And from that place, I'm like, I got to fix this. This is, does not need to be this hard because then I would talk to the employees. They would bring their employees and we would be, you know, at the cocktail reception, what have you. And they'd be like, I want to do more, but they're control freak. They won't let go. They won't. And it was really fascinating. Like you guys all want the same thing. You're just not speaking the same language. And that was really the birthplace of me writing. Don't be a yes chick. And the reason I came up with the title, don't be a yes chick is for twofold. Number one, these employees would say that their business owners or entrepreneurs would come and throw all these business books at them trying to fix them. 
and they would constantly or try to empower them and they wouldn't open it. One time we did a charity drive and everybody came with all their bo- their boxes of things they wanted to donate. All of them had the books that the, that the boss gave to them, not even cracked open, not even. So I came up with that title to get a title that was fun and cheeky and hip to get the employee to actually open it up. And even to this day, we released that back in 2008. I hear people constantly telling me, like, I have that on my desk. The whole pro- premise of it is to be a manual for the employee on how to really become what I call an entrepreneur in the entrepreneur's world. And then it's also a manual for the entrepreneur of how to invest in their employee um, and really pour into them and become a great leader so they can, the employee can become a leader leading leaders. Oh, I love that. Love that. That is so awesome. So many different things go through my head there. Uh, one of the things in the intro to the podcast is individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. And mm. I've, I've seen it time and time again. And oftentimes when I meet with leaders and, and talk to them and hear their complaints and hear their problems, there's one common theme with those people. They, they never stop to take a look in the mirror and ask that number one important question that I believe leaders have to ask when there's a problem. And that's what part of the problem am I? And until mm. we identify what part of the problem we are, until we have that awareness until we really seek first to understand and be understood, people continue to have that problem. And most of the time, you know, leaders um, do some good things, but then what they forget to do is get out of the way of their team. And, you know, I heard you talk about things like control and power and, you know, the words like micromanagement, and those are the great destroyers of organizations. And, you know, that type of leadership might've worked, you know, when I was coming up in the police department, um, or it might've worked 20 years ago, but it doesn't work today. And it definitely doesn't work with, when you start talking about generation X, you know, the millennials, Gen Z. So, so, so interesting. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check that out. I love the title. Thank you. So yeah. let's, let's talk about, let's transition. Let's talk about how to hire and fire with confidence. Let's talk about hiring first, right? Like everybody hopes, like, I hope I never have to fire anybody. I hope I never have to discipline somebody, but the truth is the hiring process, it's not a perfect process, which is why I was so interested in this topic. What are, what are some of the key components for you when you think about hiring with confidence and finding the right people? Mm, I could talk about this all day. I, I say, you know, first and foremost, um, when you are writing your ads and you finally make the decision that it's time to hire, make certain that you write your ad from a place of attracting people that you want to hang out with first and foremost, and that you'd be happy to employ. So many people will write ads like job descriptions. That is the biggest myth that they do where they will put, you know, 10 pages long, what have you, you have to treat it like a dating profile, like you were writing match.com, so to speak, you have to sell yourself, especially, I, you know, right now, it is an employees market, and it has been for five years. And so you have to, what do you bring to the table? Because as a recruiter, which is the side of my business, we're sharks. We're like vultures. The best way that we find the greatest employees is one simple LinkedIn or Indeed inbox that we send to them, which is, are you happy and are you being treated well? And that is the most, I can't tell you, it makes me so excited when people reply and they say, no, I'm super happy. And they won't even entertain getting on the phone with us. And I will actually go as far as find the um, company's website where they're working and 
send an email to them and say, keep up the great work. Because whatever you're doing in that culture, people will not even consider leaving. And so that's when you when somebody gets that email, it's very telling of how the culture is. Number two, I would say do not put your company name and do not put salary in your any of your ads because especially now people are so volatile and they will not even think twice about going to social media and blasting Denny's because their bacon was overburnt and you're a small business owner most people so you if, so putting your company name is from a place of brand or um you know brand, reputation management because if people don't get a call back or what have you, they're so sensitive that you don't want them blasting you on social media. And you don't want to put the salary because sometimes you, let's just say you put, you know, 14 to $16 an hour and there's an absolute rock star that needs $18 an hour. You're missing out on them. And I'd also say in regards to the hiring process, when you start getting resumes and people start applying, the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make is they hire people based on their resume. They get seduced by the resume. You are hiring human beings versus human doings first and foremost. And so a lot of times there are people so often I will send my clients resumes. They're like, why are you sending me this resume? It's horrible. I'm like, nope. You just wait until you get in the Zoom room and I will go with my clients in the Zoom room and do an initial interview with them. And so often I still get emails from people saying, I have no idea. I never in a million years would have looked at that person based on their resume alone. So try to talk to as many people as possible. And remember that because it, it is the human stuff that typically get people fired and or leave. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome point. You know, I never, I never thought about, so to tell your story, like tell a story, like a dating thing, like why do people want to come work for you? Especially now there really is a competition for talent. It's, you know, if it's, it is an employee market per se. And oh yes. so, and, and that's one of the things we find even in our community, the, the scarcity and qualified good people applying for jobs. You see a lot of our employers, like some of our major employers, especially having 50 to 60 jobs open all the time. And so not only do you want to get people, but you want to get the right people and grab some. I love that you talked about, are you happy and are you treated well? It's kind of like an intro, but is there another example you would give as far as like an ad you would put in a paper or a job posting that, that kind of does that? Or is that one of the main ones you guys use? It's one of the main ones that we do use. And, and to your point, you know, you have to keep asking yourself, why would this person want my job? And that's what I tell our clients a lot of times that you do have to write it from a place of culture. And you made an excellent point that I don't want to gloss over. Another reason why not to put your company name to your point, you know, when people look at my job, they're like, oh, God, no, this firm's been hiring people for years. And the story that the employees have in their head is that it's a flop house, that you can't retain employees, or you'll see, you know, that they have 15 different jobs posted, and the employer thinks that that means that we're growing. But when your job's been sitting there for 60 days, or it comes down, and then it goes back up, that you have to think, speak into the listening of the listener, and the story that they're going to make up in their head about that. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Well, the other thing it can do, and so we, we just posted a job with the city and we put city of Dixon and our brand right now, we're incredibly proud of our brand. It's a place people want to work. So we have a front desk position open that'll do some, some fairly in-depth things over a hundred applications and has a lot to do with the idea that it's the city and we do have such a great reputation to work for in our culture. But as, as we look at it, you said something just amazing. And the third thing about be careful these resumes, like resumes don't do jobs people do. And there's several people that we've hired that if you just looked at their resume, like prior administrations or other you know, cities wouldn't have hired these people. Right. Yes. When you dig in, you talk about that, the, the human being side, I'm trying to human beings versus human doings. Yes. Yeah. That, that is, that is so big. So the job posting, don't put the company name. Um, you know, in our case, you might get overwhelmed with the amount you really want people to be drawn to what it is that relationship you're trying to build the people you're looking for. And remember, you know, resumes don't do jobs. People do jobs. Um, and like you said, a lot of the problems we end up having with people are human problems. So let's say, let's say you have a hundred resumes, job applications and cover letters, right. For a job, any just quick tips on, on how you work through that? Yeah, absolutely. You know what we do? I mean, unless it is blatant, blatant, blatant that they do not have any computer skills. If you're looking for that, it's very blatant that they don't have any um, experience. I would say, and I just want to touch on why you want to talk to everybody because so often when we call candidates we're like I'm like so you haven't had a job in a year and they'll be like oh my gosh no where did you get that resume from because the algorithm of indeed zip recruiters some of them it's really wonky the way they pull resumes especially you know sometimes they're like where did they get that resume from it could be an old one what have you that's why i want to talk to everyone because i will tell you about seven out of ten times the resume that i i get from indeed or what have you is not the accurate one and also if people were award-winning writers they'd be copywriters they wouldn't be applying for a city job So, you know, they would be a professional resume writer, what have you. So what we do, you get 100 resumes, right? We pick up the phone and do a five-minute interview. You can get through 100 resumes and call. Let's say out of the 100, there's 85 that are qualified for even a phone call. You can do, we do the five-minute interview. And I love that. I got that from Chet Holmes' book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, which is a phenomenal book I read 20 years ago. Highly, highly recommend it. God rest his soul. And it's in there. He has a whole chapter on hiring. And I pretty much just model that because it just worked so well. We do a five-minute interview. Hey, real quick, we're just doing preliminary um, quick check-in interviews real quick. Just want to make sure, you know, this is you, your phone number. And real quick, just what are you looking for in regards to salary? Because I don't want to waste anyone's time. So often people wait to talk about money and benefits and all that because you don't place it in the ad you want it. And they'll say, Oh, it's negotiable. We're like, okay, well, how much money do you need to put gas in your car and food on your tank? Like what's negotiable? What do you need to make not to harm yourself or your family? And then you get them to give you a number. And so sometimes it's way out of the ballpark. So you're like, actually, that's way out of the ballpark of this position. I don't want to waste your time. And people are grateful for that. Like, wow, I've never had a recruiter do that. Usually I have to go through all these hoops, waste all this time. And then, you know, it's not even alignment because most people don't talk about money till the end. 
And so then, you know, the money matches up, all that. And then I just ask them quick questions. And then I schedule a Zoom interview for them. I would say out of that 85, you're maybe going to get 10 people that make it to is worthy of a Zoom interview. Then I do a 30 minute quick Zoom, Zoom interview while we're also running background checks, doing social media. I'm amazed at how many people don't even do background checks, do social media checks and things of that nature. And so you could get through 85 calls probably, you know, in two hours or what have you pretty quickly. Yeah. Awesome. So let's try. So you, you do these calls, love that. And maybe we'll get a list of those questions. That's something we can share in one of our posts, yeah, the podcast. It, you know, for the, for the listeners, that would be great. We can even link something to your website if, it, if it's on there. So people can check that out in the podcast description. We'll figure a way to get that. So now you step into the actual interview. How do you construct that interview? What are you looking for? What are you testing for? What are the key components, right? Because we're making a lot of decisions based on this interview. I love that question. You know, and I'd be happy to share my five minute interview. And in addition to my um, 32 crucial questions to ask during the interview, I play with them. I uh, Some I use, some I don't, but I would say the number one thing is you again are interviewing from your core values as a company, as an organization. You know, it's interesting because I'll have a uh, um, I'll go into a law firm and they'll say, oh, our, our core values are empowerment. They'll pick all these buzzy words that they find on these signs from TJ Maxx or what have you, or they'll say we're family first or what have you. And then the, then the business owners constantly complaining that they have a bunch of clock watchers that leave at five o'clock on the dot because they have to get their kids off to T-ball or what have you. Like, well, whoa, 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 time out. Your core value, your number one core value is family first. And so a lot of times I'll be like, that's not the truth. That's not. So get rid of that core value. Like one of my, my core value in my organization is brutal honesty. And I tell people that I, and so I interview from my core values. And that second one that we have is discipline. Another one that we have is unrelenting standards. Well, you think that would scare people away, but it's the truth and it's the foundation that I built my business on. And so either, you know, a small portion of people that could handle that. But I'm like, I need to hear the truth. I, even though I'm your boss, even though I'm writing your paycheck, one of the things I expect, again, not yes, chicks, people that are going to nod their head and tell me how great my idea is. I need people that are not afraid to speak up and they're not afraid to have an honest, well-respectful conversation. That's another one of our core values. So I think you start there. You get really, really clear on your core values. And, you know, one of, my, one of my clients, their core values is that we strive for perfection. Well, you're not going to find that at a TJ Maxx sign to hang that's all warm and fluff. But don't just own it and be honest about it and then name it. And then that is the way where you really see who the people. And when you say that, be quiet and say, what do you have to say about that? How does that make you feel? What would you think about working with for an organization that has a, 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 a core value of unrelenting standards? So walk us through that question. So you want to ask about unrelenting standards. What does that question look like to the applicant? Yeah, so the question is just that and say, okay, great. Thank you for coming here today. You know, we'd like to kick off our interview questions. We're not traditional where we're going to rip apart your resume. We're actually going to start with communicating what our core values are here. And that when you hear this, 
how does that make you feel? And what does that mean to you? And then you be quiet. Most people have, they get all wordy in their questions, what have you, and then they load four different questions in one question, and then they don't get the answer. And they're like, oh, she didn't, she wasn't very clear in how she replied to that question. I'm like, you weren't really clear in your question. So less is more. And be in as much as you can almost like dropping a bomb in the room and just just place it there and be quiet and listen and give the, the person the opportunity to respond. Wow. Love that. That is so hard for people. They ask a question, there's dead air and they got to fill it. Right. Yes. And whether you're interviewing people, whether you're in the middle of a negotiations, a business negotiations or different kind of negotiate, whatever the case you when it's their turn to talk, let them talk. I love that. One of the things that that we intentionally look for, so I, I love hearing this core values idea and it kind of, you know, lets us know, you know, we're on the right track with what we're doing, but, you know, we have meetings and realign those values through each hiring process. We don't have a high turnover and making sure we're hiring for these values. We can train for skills. There's basic competencies a person has to have for the job, yeah. but we're going to hire for values and it's something I'm going to ask about a question a little bit about culture fit, because there's some back and forth on that, but, but really higher for value fit. When we talk about culture fit, it's really about value fit. One of the things that, that we look for, it's important to me, is people who are givers versus people who are takers, for sure. Matchers we can work with. I don't know if you're familiar with Adam Grant's work or not, but it's very intentional about, he's got a book called Give and Take. And, uh, you know, takers can be very toxic to an organization. So that's something we're looking at service mindset. Are you a giver? Um, you know, do you get along well with other, do you value cooperation, teamwork, those kinds of things. But I love how you just call the value out and then just be quiet and let them talk and see what depth they have to that. Yeah. There's something, like you said, that dead air, that thundering silence, so to speak, but I always call it the power of the pause and really just allowing for that. Because people will, you really see uh, so many things. Number one, their critical thinking. Um, you will, so much will come out their personality, their tonality, their clarity in regards to how they think, how they pr solve problems, how they do solutions, and honestly, how they respond when backed against the wall, when stress is high. You know, we drop the ball on something, the phone's ringing off the hook, there's, you know, this type of crisis that occurs in a business, you can see how they respond versus react. And so you can see a lot in the person in their behaviors, because it's their behaviors, and their habits, and their mindset, and their emotional intelligence, that tend to really get them, you know, when we talk about firing, fired and or where they lead because they can't handle it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Love that, love that. So you're going to have questions and you said there's 32 questions that you draw from most of the time and those we'll be able to share, um, you know, with the listeners and stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll get those shared. That That's awesome. So other than value, are you using behavioral-based questions as well as part of that? Or how, are, what are your feelings on the behavioral-based questions? Yeah, I like those. I do. We do. And we also, when the candidate does pass the interview, we give assessments. We use the Colby A assessment, and we also use the Strength, Gallup Strength Finder Natural Strength um, assessments, which tell you a lot about how people communicate, how they'd like to give and receive information. As we all know, the breakdown in communication is, you know, there's always three sides to the story. 
what he said, what she said, and what was really intended. Absolutely. And so we really want to, well, I do like the behavioral questions. Absolutely. I am not as rigid anymore with the questions. I try to be fully, wholly present and don't make the, the uh, interview about my agenda. I really, because if you really have a great candidate, the way they answer question one is actually going to bring up so many different conversations where you can lead into question two, which most of the time was not question two on your scripted interview. The best interviews are the ones where they are fully present. Now, if you have a bad candidate, they're giving you one word answers. They're not elaborating on it. They're not giving you an answer that you're like, wow. So that really brings up this. It's very much like this interview, you know, where you are, it's, it's bringing up other different scenarios, fact patterns, things of that nature. But I do like the behavioral questions as well, too. Yeah. No, it's uh, one of the things we really focus on because we want to see who the person really is. And we understand this can be stressful. Some people are easier in it than others. Doesn't at the end of the day mean they're better or or worse necessarily, but we spent some intentional time with rapport building and just making people feel comfortable helping them, you know, as Renee talks, Renee, Renee Brown talks about, you know, getting their armor down and um, because we want to see who it really is. I mean, if we've asked them to come in and spend a half hour with us, we want to see who they really are. And so we're really intentional about building that rapport, creating an environment that's opening, open and welcoming so they can just show up as who they are and, you know, and fully engage in this because, I mean, let's face it, we don't have time to do 10 interviews and to do assessment centers and bring people in for two or three day job shadows. You know, this it's kind of where it's at, right? These different processes. Um, so, so the assessments are, uh, personality-based assessments, behavioral-based assessments. Can you just walk us through that and just the, the, the purpose on, on why you do those assessments post-interview? Yeah. And I want to answer real quick. I want to piggyback on something that you said. By the time uh, somebody comes in to me, they've already been through three interviews, the five-minute phone interview, then the 30-minute Zoom interview, and then they're coming in for this interview. By this point, I can't tell you the last time I've interviewed a nervous candidate. Okay. They actually are now, are, they think that we work for them, especially as recruiters. By the time they meet with the entrepreneur, our client, you know, they're warm. They, they've already, you know, been through your website, watched your videos, whatever you have, read your blogs, listen to your podcast. And by this time, they are so warm. So their armor is really, really down. And they really show up a very much pretty close to exactly who they are. The assessments that we do, the Colby A assessment, so K-O-L-B-E.com. You've heard Oprah. Now that you see that name, you'll see it everywhere. Many different organizations use it, Amazon, what have you. It is, um, it is um, interviewing or testing the DNA of a human being. So how they think it's a communication tool, how they like to give information, how they receive information, and how they receive bond went back against the wall and they have to make a decision. Which way do they respond? Do they shut down and go into analysis paralysis? Do they go right to the checklist and lead with their follow through? Are they a quick start where they don't need any plan, you know, the, where they are just go right into action and they abandon every process and protocol. 
And that's the Colby. And then the strength finder is a personality test. I like to couple both of them together okay. and be able to, to use them together to get the personality, but also the strategic mindset. Awesome. Love that. Love the depth of that as well. So does, does, do those come after the Zoom 30-minute interview or do they come after the in-person interview? Great question. They come after the in-person interview. They're fairly inexpensive. I think Colby's 50 bucks. And if you're doing a lot of hiring, you could buy a package and get a bit of a discount. And the Gallup Strengths Finder is $19.99. So not totally expensive, but about a hundred bucks in. You're not going to give it to Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, the only people that we give the assessments to are the people that say, yeah, I would, I want to make them an offer. Like, all right, great. Now let's give them the assessment and make sure it's in alignment with the job description. Because so often we'll have, we'll have candidates who are like, oh my God, I fell in love with them. They were amazing. Like I could see myself going to have a beer with them. And then you take the assessments and we're like, yeah, we get that you'd like them, but it's not in alignment with what's needed for the job description. And so I just had a call this morning where um, we work by and large with in the legal space with law firms and um, people in the professional and financial services industry. And I had an attorney called me and she's like, I'm just so mad about that CEO that I hired. Like, I just found out he did blah, 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 and screwed up my benefits and what have you. I go, remember, I told you not to hire him. He was not, and you fell in love with him and you wouldn't listen to me. She goes, can you please stop reminding me of that? (laughs) Like, no, I never will. (laughs) Well, we got to learn from those mistakes. Um, because they're, they're costly mistakes. When you go through these processes and you invest all this time and then you invest the training and the coaching and the mentoring, you bring these people into your work environment and they're working with your team and they're not the right fit. The problems that causes, not just with this person and their duties, but with the entire team, it's problematic. And then next thing you know, you're going through this whole cumbersome, time-consuming, expensive process again. So getting this right. That's why I loved when I, when I saw this was something that, that you talked about and were passionate about. I'm like, oh, we got to have Molly on. This is going to be amazing. So Molly, when you're doing, you talk about your background, right? Like a lot of times, like when I was the police chief, you know, the background would come, would there be an employment offer conditional on successful completion of the background. Now we were doing a full psych, full background, medical, polygraph. I mean, we can't do all that on you know, it's not legal in Illinois to do all that unless you have certain jobs like police officer. Um, so for the background you're talking about, when does that start? So I do, great question. We do the background check before they come in for the in-person interview. So when they pass the Zoom interview and we say, yeah, this is someone we're going to take to the next step of the process. I cannot, well, you will believe us as you're with your history. So many people that fail that. I mean, the background check is just app. And we will even say to them, we will even say to them, hey, part of our process, and it's even through Indeed and our LinkedIn and what have you, check a box. Yes, I, I'm aware there's a background check. We will say to people, all right, great. I'm going to set up your interview. Next steps, we're going to run your background check. Is there anything that we're going to, oh, nope, 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 nope. You won't find anything. <laughs> and lo and behold, we're like, Oh, you know, and we hire for attorneys and a lot of our jobs are attorneys. You would believe it. How many attorneys fail that background check? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's great. If somebody can't list references, 
that are going to give them a good reference, then that's, you know, <laughs> if they've given you somebody and we like to dig, you know, dig a little deeper. We, you know, you got to be careful with what you're doing. What about somebody? So you haven't offered them the job yet. You haven't agreed on terms. Um, and they don't want their employer to know that they're potentially looking at another job. So you just kind of set that reference aside until after everything else is done and you're coming to terms or what do you, how do you guys handle that? Yeah, great question. We will ask them, we'll say, okay, great. Does your employer know that you're looking for a job? And number one, and if they say no, they we're like, why? Tell us why not. And then they'll give us the information in regards to why not. And then um, when it comes time, we're like, well, if it comes time for offer and you're ready to give them your notice, we're going to call them and ask them if they give you a reference, what would they say? And it's really fascinating to hear what they say in regards to that. So that question, not that we're necessarily going to do that, but that question right there speaks volumes, their response to that. Yeah. I love, I love that question. You know, whether it's a current employer or a former employer, if we called your immediate supervisor, what would they tell us about you? What would they tell us about your work ethic? What would they tell us about your ability to get along with people? And then one of my favorite questions on the police background was, you know, we all have people that we've had problems with in the past that people that are unreasonable. Is there anybody we should, you know, be aware of that if we talk to, we should take what they say with a grain of salt. Inevitably they give you a few people and we're going to, we're going to take it with a grain of salt, but we're going to look and see. And then also when we call the references, we say, Hey, who, who are three more people that we could talk to uh, that, that would know Molly. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you, we build on that now with, with our regular jobs, we don't go to that whole extent, but with our police backgrounds, you know, we absolutely do. So just a, a couple more questions for people that are wanting to, you know, dig a little deeper or, or take that dive. So cool. So we we've covered, are there, are there any other components that we haven't talked about as far as the, the hiring process? I did want to spend a little time in this whole concept of firing with confidence. Yeah, real quick, you know, you mentioned earlier around culture, you know, in hiring from that place. I had an interview last night where the candidate was phenomenal, presented it, and I like to be on the Zoom meetings with them. Um, I like, I love Zoom now, especially since COVID, what have you, it just really leverages and, and, and is efficient with everyone's time versus getting in the vehicle, driving, all that stuff. And then you can end it really quickly, even if it's scheduled for an hour. So two things. One, I'll talk about culture, but this is, just came to me. It, you're, everybody's time is valuable. So if there's something that you're seeing within the first 10 minutes and you know you're not a good fit, you have full permission to end it. Most people will suffer and go through that entire hour, which is the disrespect of your time and the candidate's time. And I think it is fully authentic and acceptable for you to say, you know, I don't want to waste your time anymore. Here's why I'm seeing that you're not a good fit. And you want to be really conscious of your, your, your reason, you know, if it's because they seem a little squirrely, or there's something wrong, or you're afraid there's an addiction issue, or whatever it might be, just make sure you just be let them off lightly because again, you don't want them going to social media and blasting your company or causing any unnecessary trouble. But I think it's very acceptable. When it comes to culture, like to use my example of last night, this is a big, big criminal defense law firm in Texas. And they, you know, it's a by and large female ran practice. 
They're super fun, really hip. And uh, they like to go out for happy hour together. They go on a week-long boating trip in some place in Texas and boat. Like, they're a lot of fun. And this attorney that I presented last night, great skill set, amazing resume, like LLM and tax, all this, you know, just very, very impressive, but not a very fun attorney. And so, you know, the attorney got seduced a little bit, the, the owner by the resume. And at the end, when we debriefed, she goes, oh, my goodness, I'm going to want to hire her. I'm like, no, you're not. She doesn't fit your culture. She wants, she does, she's not fun. And she told you she's not fun. And you have everyone in your practice. I mean, you guys left, you know, did a yoga class in the conference room today and then went for happy hour. That's not going to happen. It's not a good fit for your culture. And finally, I was able to get her to see that. But I think culture is really, really important. It is. I mean, when you talk about a great team and the chemistry of that team, you know, the one, the one place we got to be careful, I know you agree on, is when we hire people that are different than us. I mean, we, we want to be intentional about diversity and inclusion. Um, and so at times we're going to have those differences. But, but those differences aren't what you're talking about. Because no. when you talk about being fun and engaging and wanting to engage with the team, that's a culture thing. That's not yes. something that white people or black people or Hispanic or Asian people do. That's what people do. And so I want the listeners to be really clear as we talk about yes. this, you know, we're conscious of that. Um, but, but what you're talking about is, I mean, is, is a really good example. Yeah. And vice versa. We have other firms that are very much, you know, very rigid. There's not a lot of fun. Again, they're clear about that in their core values. We are very professional. We wear a three-piece suit every single day. This firm does not. They wear jeans and heels and, and vice versa. Somebody that's super fun and they're looking to make friends at work and they're young and that's where they get their connections. Not going to work. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Cool. 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 Uh, I love this. So much great information. Such an important topic. I'm, I'm learning as we go. And this is something that, you know, I try to keep really up to speed on, you know, Jim Callens and his book, Good oh, to Great, talks him. a ton about you got to get the right people on the bus, but then you got to get them in the right seat on the bus. Yeah. So this process is all about getting those right people on the bus and then, then getting them into the right seat. So let's talk about nobody, nobody wants a problem with an employee, right? Um, but when we have them, you know, one of my mentors, Brad Bloom, um, he became one of my mentors early on as police chief, um, told me, he said, once somebody shows you who they are, believe them. People mm -hmm. don't change outside of major, you know, life occurrences. And, and I'm not saying that people can't change somebody. You know, we work with a lot of people suffering from addiction. We've got a cutting edge program for that and people can change it, but there's certain components about people. And then the other thing was hire slow, fire fast. You know, when you're seeing things early on in somebody's tenure with you, the, I'm talking one, two, three, six, nine months that you really don't like, if they're showing that, then it's only going to get worse. So why don't you run into your key components of, of fire with confidence? Yeah, absolutely. I, here's how you can fire with confidence. It's quite simple, but often missed, is that when you do hire people, when you hire someone, make certain you have safety nets set in place at all the right benchmarks. And number one, where when they start, you have very clear, concise goals and expectations around when we're sitting here 30 days from now, the following will be occurring for me to be delighted and happy with the investment of you as an employee. And then asking them the same thing of what would make, what would you like to see as, you know, us as your leaders? 
And then make sure you have dedicated time where you are checking in with them. In the beginning, I'd like to do a daily huddle, beginning of the day or end of the day for new employee. Okay, great. Here's your top priorities. Here's your goals for today. Checking in on how they did with them, where they're jammed up, where they didn't have the resources they need, et cetera. So you can, you can handle it in real time. And then you make sure you do a 30-day goal, um, goal setting meeting, 60-day, 90-day. I do it monthly all the way up to the six-month mark, and then it's quarterly. I have another process I'd be happy to hand. Um, I don't do employee reviews anymore. I think those terminologies are not very empowering. I call them an employee growth plan. And so everybody is very clear on what your goals are, what the expectations are, and you consistently meet them. Then you will know right off the bat, you, you have upfront agreements with the employee and you as the employer, here's the expectations, clarify and verify that they know what that means and they're in agreement with that. And then when you have those benchmarks of meeting with them daily in the beginning, then moving to weekly and then moving to monthly, and then in my growth plan, they do a self-evaluation as an employee yeah. And then you do an evaluation of them and then you come together and you have a co nice coffee meeting and you go through them. So often the employees will even say, and that's part of my onboarding process that I do in my hiring, they will get to that 30 day mark and they'll say, I had that happen twice this week. They'll say, I'm not cut out for this job. You know, I thought it was going to be this. I know these are the expectations and I'm realizing it's not a good fit for me. And or then you have the opportunity to say, listen, we had your 30 day evaluation. These are all the areas of improvement. Here's where you're underperforming. And now we're here again at 60 days and there hasn't been any improvement. You know, and then you have an adult conversation with them. And at that moment, you know, and this is what will happen so often, you have to give yourself in your mindset, I have 60 days. If they can't, if at 60 days, I'm not seeing what I need to be seeing, I let them go. Because what happens is that, you know, you keep convincing yourself, well, I didn't give them enough training. We didn't have this. And it, it takes all that guesswork out and it completely takes all the emotionality out of it. It's, you know, facts without emotions and you're anchoring to data and you're anchoring to key performance indicators. Absolutely. Love that. We used to have a six month probationary process um, and we've extended that to a year because I really believe people can fool you for a month, two months, six months, nine months. It's hard. By the time somebody's been with you for a year, you know who they are. But one of the things I heard you just talk about with these daily huddles and this open communication and feedback is what's missing in most places. There's nothing that burns me more. This is an expectation and an agreement of our leadership team that if there's an issue, we have a positive, caring conversation with the person at the time of the issue. We don't come around to the, the quarterly review or anything else and surprise them with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if we don't have courageous communication, and if we're not capable of courageous communication, then we're not capable of leading on this team because we owe it to our person, to our team member to be honest with them. If, if as leaders, we say, our goal is to help our team members reach their full potential, achieve their goals, be successful. Well, part of that is you being honest and open with them, providing them feedback, coaching, 
right? So when we give that, instead of it coming across as a negative convert, it's a positive conversation. I'm trying to help this person. And once we can reframe the real purpose and intent of that conversation, it becomes easier for our leaders, especially our younger leaders to have those conversations. So you really broke down something that's just huge. And it's one of my pet peeves when nobody's talked to this person, they're called in, they're letting them go. And they just, they, they thought everything was going great because nobody said anything. Yes, I love courageous conversations. It's so true. You know, when it, as a recruiter and hiring, what happens is I will hire someone, place them, what have you. Then around two, week two, week three, what have you, I start getting the email from the boss saying, hey, I'm a little concerned that Susie's doing blah, blah, blah. That is the starting point for you to power down do self-reflection, ask yourself, am I giving it? Listen, they're human beings. You give them time, you give them attention, you give them feedback, they'll never leave. They will always show up and perform. And to your point, most people hire people and then throw them at the desk and dump everything in the kitchen sink at them. And then they're surprised and upset when they're not meeting, they're not performing. So that's exactly it. It's the biggest thing where you have to invest the time. You have to give them feedback. And when you see things in real time, have the ability to have that courageous conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great time for us as leaders too, to see what is the level of emotional intelligence of this person? What is their level of awareness? If, if we can't have a simple conversation with somebody in a caring manner to help gain improvement, if they're close to that, and if you get this feeling, man, I don't want to talk to Molly because I'm afraid of what it's going to turn into, they're the wrong person. Like yes. if, if we're going to have this courageous communication, this open communication, that begins on, on day one. That begins right away versus there never being this or versus, oh, I don't know if I can. We, we've had those issues and they, they just don't go away. And so we, when we know that and we know what kind of issues and problems that we've had, we, we can address those things early on. And, and also for a team member, if they've gone a year without any communication, maybe having this communication is hard, but if we condition that this is how we communicate, and not only if there's something, if there's an issue with performance or, or whatever, but if they feel like maybe they're not treated or valued, that they can come to us and share their thoughts and feelings as well, that courageous communication is definitely a two-way thing. So you have, Mal, you have unpacked so many incredible things. I'm almost thinking that that we might end up having a follow-up podcast on the fire with confidence. Cause I think there's a lot more in that, but just with the timing of the show, um, I think we've given some really, really good things for people to be doing. And the process that we refer to and probably most people do is the onboarding process. Right. Mm. Um, but, but the components you've gone through uh, for the hiring with confidence itself, absolutely phenomenal. We're going to be making some changes in our process because of it. So I really, mm -hmm. really appreciate that. Any call to action you want to leave the listeners with or anything else that you really wanted to get out and drive home in this conversation? Yeah, I would say, you know, a call to action would be go to our website, hiringandempowering.com and opt in. Every Tuesday, I drop a podcast that is very much in alignment with this conversation, hiring, firing, employee, um, employee empowerment, leadership, uh, business building, all everything. My goal is always to just drop nuggets of value. 
um, good to great. Some of the books that you recommend have been a lifesaver for me and consistently um, my true north of where I anchor into. I love even your mentor. I will always say this over and over again on my podcast and in my blogs. People show you who they are. Believe them. Yeah. Believe them. Yeah. So if you opt in every Tuesday, I drop a podcast and every Thursday I drop a blog. I've been blogging since 2008. I haven't missed a week. And I absolutely love to pour into entrepreneurs and leaders and employees, anything that I can do to create a two millimeter shift in the right direction. Love it. Love it. Love it. So all those things, the website, hireandempower.com, the blog, the podcast will be linked in this podcast description uh, to our listeners who have been following us for a while. You know, our main platforms, LinkedIn, we were on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, but LinkedIn's where we're really driving at home every day. There'll be a ton of information when this drops here in a few weeks with Molly, how to get in touch with her, all those things, the additional, you know, questions from the, the, the short five minute interview to the 32 questions that she has to some of these other things. So Molly, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. Oh, Danny, thank you. And thanks for all of your service and your work and keep it up. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's it's such a, you know, the journey is the goal and it's a lifelong journey. It it really is. And this podcast, while intended to help give back and make an impact, which we're doing has helped me grow exponentially since we launched Mm. in July. And, you know, there's always a better way. There's always a a evolution. There's a way to get 1% better every day. So Molly took us through, like it all begins with the job posting. Think of it like a a dating website, right? We're trying Mm -hmm. to find that right match, that right person. Don't put your company or the salary in, you know, we don't, people don't, resumes don't do jobs. People do be careful, eliminate people on, on, on the resume. You might just end up hiring a professional resume writer instead of a great <laughs> team member. Uh, the, the five minute interview, the zoom interview that gets a little more detailed, that 30 minute interview, the, the in-person, you know, the backgrounds going on around that time, the in-person interview. And then I think these assessments, this is something I think we got to dive more into. We do it on the police and fire side. Um, but, but the Colby one, and then what was the second one you'd mentioned? Uh, strength finder, strength, 2.0. strength mm-hmm. finder 2.0. Um, and, and then once we get people in, in the onboarding process, we dived in a little bit to the fire with confidence, the setting up of clear goals and expectations, but not just expectations as our friend, uh, Mary Grothy from a podcast a few weeks ago said, it can't just be expectations. It has to be expectations where they meet agreement something that you touched on, Molly, um, touching in daily, daily, daily huddles, and then having intentional sit downs and, and, and reviews uh, and making sure people are meeting those goals at 30, 60, 90 days, you know, move into the quarterly. Um, and, and you talked about employee growth plans and something that I love is the, the self-assessment because with mm-hmm. our evaluation system, people do um, evaluate themselves and oftentimes what we'll find, especially in our emotionally intelligent people, is they evaluate themselves lower than what we evaluate them. And, and it's a good time of reflection. It's a good time for us to build them up as well. So, so again, Molly, thank you. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review. It helps us reach more people organically, which allows us to help more people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.